Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg here with you, coming to you from the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Follow us all here on the network at VSIN Live as the Major League Baseball season is in full swing. And something that I've noticed as I've been tracking and following and handicapping all of these games. By the way, the play of the day improved to 7-1 and one on the year. We have won four in a row. I'm still thinking about that one loss last weekend because we started the season with three straight winners, then we lost, then we won four straight. So, whatever. We put that one behind us. But today we had another winner with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Talked about it a lot last night. Uh, just Yoan Adon, the young 23-year-old prospect for the Nationals, getting his second start of the season. The dude was in single A last year. He is not ready to pitch at the major league level. He's got tremendous talent. He was rushed through the system because of the need for pitching with the Nationals. And he starts the last game of the regular season and he strikes out nine batters and so all of a sudden they think that he's you know going to show promise and be ready to go this season okay no he has a very high walk rate he's got um you know just a very like a lack of control and when he does have control he gets hit hard and well that's what happens here uh, in this game as, uh, you know, the Nationals actually jumped out to a 3 nothing lead because JT Brubaker walked the bases loaded in the top of the first inning, but the uh, Pirates responded and chipped away and wound up scoring a ton of runs off of Vadon, and they go on to win the game by a final of 9-4. to So the play of the day improves to 7-1. and But there was a play that I should have hammered, and I didn't bet it. And I talked about it last night as a monitor spot. No team in baseball through the first, where are we? First seven games, six, seven games of the season. No team has been swept in a three-game series. Hasn't happened yet. On Sunday... The first series of the year, we saw 
every single team that was hoping to avoid a sweep, or in the case of a couple of uh, series that were four-game series, we saw every single team avoid going down 0-3. Every team won on Sunday that was in that role. And it wasn't just like two or three. There were a lot of them that needed to win. It was the A's. It was uh, the Tigers. It was uh, the Nationals, the Rangers, the Guardians, the Twins, the Pirates, the Brewers, the uh, who else? I think that's, yeah, and the Red Sox. So, yeah, you get the sense. There was teams that needed to, uh, actually, excuse me, the only team that got swept was the Baltimore Orioles. That's it. One team. But here against, for the Mariners, against the White Sox, they were looking to avoid the sweep. And I'm thinking to myself, what is it about the third game of the series where a team has won the first two games and then, I don't want to say doesn't show up, but it's a lackluster effort in the third game of the series, especially when it's a day game and possibly a getaway spot. The White Sox took the first two games from the Mariners. Not a getaway spot for them because they are home against the Tampa Bay Rays in their next series beginning here on Friday. But having won the first two games of the series, perhaps there was a lack of in focus, a lack of intensity. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But you had a couple of guys maybe getting the day off. That Obviously, that happens with these teams in the third game of a series. You're going to give some guys a day off or a half day off or whatever. So maybe there's a lack of you know, a player in the lineup here or there. And maybe it's just an extra kick for the team that lost the first two games to go out there and salvage a game in the series. I didn't bet it because, to be honest with you, I was very worried about the wind. And if you didn't watch any highlights from this game, it was incredible. There were wind gusts over 25, 26 miles per hour to the point where pop-ups were being dropped in the infield because it, it, there was one play where it looked like it was going to be a pop-up to the catcher. The ball winds up dropping by the pitcher's mound. Another one where um, J.P. Crawford, the shortstop, runs all the way in almost to past the mound to catch a short pop-up and then runs backwards as the ball lands in the dirt in the infield. The wind was crazy. I did not want any part of this game with those wind factors. Yes, I could have played the under. That was a smart play. Uh, but the wind wasn't blowing necessarily in or out. It was blowing left to right. And I just, I didn't want to see, thankfully for the Mariners, there was those two plays that I'm talking about happened against them, one of which led to a White Sox run. It didn't wind up hurting them because they went on to win the game. 
but I didn't want to bet a game in which I'm going to see my team do everything right and then give up a run or two because of a fluke play like that. So I, I completely stayed away from it. But the Mariners were the right side all along. They had the pitching matchup. Logan Gilbert uh, was really good. Five shutout innings. And they avoid a sweep, beating the White Sox 5-1. to one. So it's going to be something that, especially going into the weekend, I am very curious about and will be monitoring for these weekend series. So a couple of series that get underway here on uh, the weekend. We have the Mets against the Diamondbacks, which is going to be a uh, three-game set as uh, the Mets will then play the Giants coming up uh, on Monday. You got the Twins and the Red Sox, um, Yankees and Orioles. They begin a set. A's and uh, Toronto begin a set. San Francisco-Cleveland, they begin a set. The Rays and the White Sox, as I mentioned, that's going to be a series that is going to begin. Um, Let's see. You got... uh, Houston and Seattle will begin a set as well. So those are the series. Going to pay close attention to see if a team wins the first two games. Maybe come Sunday, there are some opportunities to buy in on the team that dropped the first two games. Elsewhere around the league, uh, how about the Oakland A's? They were supposed to be bad, right? This was supposed to be a, a one of the worst teams that is not trying. Well, tell that to the players. The players are all trying. When, when we say a team is not trying or not looking to win, it's because the organization is not putting them in the best position. They're not spending money. They're not putting the best players on the field. And, but, and that's, they don't have the resources. But to a man, each and every one of those players is trying their hardest. They're trying to win every game. So I give them a ton of credit, especially against a very good Tampa Bay Rays team. Uh, the A's were able to have a really good series uh, there at the Trop. Um, elsewhere, the Brewers, in their home opener, beat the Cardinals 5-1. to one, And I, I know, I think I gave out the Cardinals on the newsletter. I kind of got suckered into it. I didn't want to play it. And last night on the show, if you listened, if you watched, I said I'm scared of this game because of the Brewers having the home opener. And I thought that Woodruff, in the home opener would have a little bit of a, not a resurgence, but a bounce-back performance from what we saw in his opening start at Wrigley. His first game of the year, Brandon Woodruff, was terrible. Seven runs on six hits in three and two-thirds innings in that game against the Cubs. Meanwhile, in this... Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years... Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. 
That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Game against the Cardinals, Woodruff was, he was Brandon Woodruff. Five innings, no runs, only allows three hits, two strikeouts, one walk. So he looked great. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright came back down to earth because he pitched tremendous in his opening day start. Uh, Here he gave up four runs on eight hits in four and a third innings. So the Brewers, they looked like the team that people are expecting them to be. So congratulations, they got a win there. Uh, The Pirates, like I mentioned, were our play of the day. We won that. The Marlins beat the Phillies. Sandy Alcantara day. I didn't play it. I didn't want to touch it. But it was all about Sandy. Sandy threw six and a third innings, allowed two runs on seven hits, struck out five. Meanwhile, Kyle Gibson, who was fantastic in his first start, he gave up four runs on five hits in four and two thirds. We'll continue to talk a little Philly, see if the Phillies can bounce back from this losing streak, but more importantly, get into the Philadelphia 76ers in their playoff series against the Toronto Raptors. Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia CityCast, will join me coming up next year. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us now to talk all things Philly sports is the host of the Philadelphia CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers for us here at VSIN. He is Ryan Rothstein. And Ryan, before we get into the Sixers, I left off talking about Major League Baseball. Let's talk Phillies. They have dropped three straight now, and maybe it had a lot to do with uh, the pitching. You know, you face Max Scherzer, you face Sandy Alcantara. So, okay, I'll chalk it up here. But what's been the most concerning part of this dip here for the Phillies? The hitting. (laughs) The the hitting, right? I mean, this is... We were screaming and yelling here prior to opening day. Well, even after opening day, because the Phillies poured on uh, nine runs to start the season off at Citizens Bank Park against the Mets. But it's just been a brutal stretch, you know, and and Joe Girardi after these games, it's not really hitting season. It's April. Uh, This time of year favors the pitchers and, and okay, fine. But 
uh, this is the one thing that we don't want to be talking about as fans and even media members in the city of Philadelphia. We don't want to be pointing to uh, the, the core group, the meat and heart of the lineup as reasons to why this team is losing. And that's not the only reasons there's been some mistakes in the field. Alec Baum, as I'm sure many people uh, saw on Monday night with the three errors in the field before he even took his first at bat. Uh, Matt Verling last night now uh, on Thursday night made a costly mistake on a tough fly ball deep to center, but he still could have had it. So you're a pro that's, that's a mistake. So there's been defensive concerns uh, and Aaron Nola now after making his second start, he continues to be Aaron Nola, just up and down roller coaster ride. You have no idea what that dude is. So uh, a rough, a rough start now as they settled in seven games in at three and four. Let's just be honest. They're missing my dude, Mickey Moniak, and that's why they're struggling. They're just, they're missing him. You know, he would be, he would have made are. that, he would have made that play in center field and and he would have yeah. provided some pop in this lineup. So uh hope to get him back fast or more likely it's Odubel Herrera who's coming back because uh, he is beginning his uh, uh, return to the Phillies. All right, let's talk hoops here. This series now against Toronto. What's the one thing that concerns you the most from a Sixers perspective about the Toronto Raptors? It's a great question. It's a great question. It, it, can I have multiple answers? Sure. Because <laughs> my immediate answer is Doc Rivers. Um, <laughs> well, that's about the Sixers, <laughs> not about the Raptors. <laughs> I know. So that that doesn't qualify fair. We can maybe get there in a couple of minutes. But uh, the Raptors' length. Uh, their ability to switch on everything. Uh, Pascal Siakam, right? We all remember 2019, the quadruple doink heard around the world, particularly North America, Kawhi Leonard fading out of bounds in game seven if it falls in. But I bring that up because Siakam then was just a young kid with a ton of potential. Now you look at the 76ers and the Raptors in the three games that they played in the regular season, Siakam averaged over 30 points per game, uh, over nine rebounds per game and over eight assists per game against the 76ers. I mean, the dude's averaging like essentially a 30, 10 and 10 triple double against this Philadelphia 76ers squad. So he's a concern. Fred Van Vliet's a concern. Uh, he's not bad defensively and who's going to guard him on the other end. So, I, I mean, man, I can go on probably for this entire segment mm -hmm. about my concerns for this series. How deep do you think the series goes? Do you think we get a seven game series? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And let me just uh, put a disclaimer on this. Anyone, including myself, that predicts a series to go seven typically isn't that confident. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right. Like, let's just be real. I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the Philadelphia city cast here. Uh, I'm obviously the Philly guy for us, but uh, yeah, this is a concerning series. This is a matchup that no one wanted, I think, including the guys in that locker room, mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be just a 12-round heavyweight fight. Yeah, look, I took plus 150 on the Toronto Raptors in the series. Uh, I like them to win this, and I think that they could win it in six, you know, game six in Toronto. Uh, yeah. I don't think this series is clearly not going five games. I mean, the, the Sixers are just too talented to not win two games in this series. But I do think Toronto will have a 3-2 lead with game six in Toronto. No Matisse Thibel. And that is a huge loss. Talk about what he means for this Sixers team defensively and how they are really, you know, handicapped without him. Uh, it's it's a big loss 
um, listen, he he's a guy that's probably going to be he, he's an elite defender, first team All NBA type of defender. But the guy can't hit the Atlantic Ocean with a rock offensively. So even if he was available, I'm not making excuses and I'm not glossing over it. it, it it's it's a negative impact that he's not going to be uh, playing in Toronto for games three and four, and then we'll see about game six. But even if he was available, Scott, the conversation in Philadelphia is maybe you go Danny green because Mm. one of the biggest issues with this team down the stretch offensively in the half court sets is spacing. You have James Harden, you have Joel Embiid. Then you have a bunch of guys that can't shoot or even flat out can't play. Uh, And Matisse Thibel is under the category of can't shoot. So they're going to miss him a lot defensively uh, in Toronto, but they need some offense. So I think Danny green's the right move to get the start. And he's going to get the start. Uh, I think both in Philly when Matisse is available and on the road when he's not, what do they need to get from James Harden to win this series? Because we know that Joel Embiid's going to get his Joel Embiid's going to score 35 points a game in this series. I mean, that's just, he rolls out of bed and he scores 35 points, but what do they need from James Harden in order to win, uh, you know, four out of seven here against Toronto? Let me just address the Joel Embiid stuff for a second, because Listen, he's grown a lot. I I mentioned Siakam in 2019. Embiid in 2019 averaged 17 points in that series against Toronto. He he was bad. He was bad. And Nick Nurse sent two or three guys at him, and we've seen that all season with Joel Embiid. But they're going to try and cut the head of the the snake off here, and they're just going to make Joel Embiid's life a living hell as much as they can. So I'm curious to see how he plays uh, in in a bigger moment in a playoff series, especially on the road in a really tough place to play. But at the end of the day, Scott, I, I would say I would say you're probably right. He's going to get his. I, I look even further because I'm so fearful of this Toronto Raptors team that if James Harden, you know, is the old James Harden air quotes to the old James Harden, I still don't know if that's enough. Like I look at Tyrese Maxey as the X factor for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's a guy that if he can get you 20 plus, if he can knock down three or four threes in a few games, then you feel a lot better about the Sixers chances to to get past Toronto. So yes, James Harden's going to have to be uh, just positive, right? Not hurting the 76ers with turnovers and having like four for 16 types of days slash nights. Uh, I'm banking on he won't, uh, but even if he avoids that, they're going to need more. They're going to need more against this Toronto team. Ultimately, what's your prediction for the series? I have the 76ers in seven games. In seven, um, okay. Yeah, I, I have the 76ers in seven. Um, and and my hope is, listen, these first two games are everything. Uh, you can say that about any series, Captain Obvious statement. But if the 76ers can protect home floor, I'm going to feel a lot better about this series. If they can go back to Toronto up 2-0 mm-hmm. and then just split – they're going to come out of this series alive. But if they screw around and they go back to Toronto, one, one, dare I even say, oh, two, man, this could have a different outlook uh, uh, when it's all said and done. Real quick, we've got about a minute or so left. Let me get your thoughts on the Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I think that the fact that the Nets opened up as the favorite in the series and it immediately shifted in the other direction tells you what the betting market thinks. Uh, despite the fact that the Nets are uh, amongst the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, the Celtics are the favorite in this series. What's your take on these two? It's crazy. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you there. Like the Nets now are plus one twenty at Bet Rivers. 
Uh, Boston's the the series favorite at minus 148. Uh, Robert Williams out with Boston is a huge deal. And Bruce, uh, Bruce Brown mentioned that after the game, the play in game saying they're going to attack the bigs for Boston. The Nets are, but I'm going Celtics in this series, the Celtics down the stretch here after the all-star break, they've been outstanding. Uh, I think they're a deeper team. I think they're a little bit better coached. Uh, and, and I have the Celtics getting the job done, especially if Brooklyn decides to throw out Ben Simmons for the first time all year. <laughs> this is not my Ben Simmons hate seeping through Scott. I don't think this is a good idea for any team starting any player to make his debut for the nah, year. It's, it's not going to happen. Playoff series. It's, it's not going to happen with him. Uh, yeah. We will be watching uh, intently as the, as the first round of the playoffs begin here this weekend. Ryan, appreciate the time. We'll be listening to the CityCast. Thanks, Scott. There he is. Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philadelphia CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers, available on vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on vcin. This is The Look Ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. Conquer the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join two free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash The Northman now to join the action. The Northman in theaters April 22nd. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I feel like the Northmen would have been, or uh, would, because uh, it's not out yet, uh, obviously April 22nd, but I feel like it would be more successful if it was a 10 episode HBO Max series. It's just my thoughts. You know, I'm thinking like Game of Thrones, Vikings, all that stuff. You know, like play this thing out over the course of uh, 10 episodes. It got me hooked. Two-hour movie? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Looks interesting. I said it the other night when I did this read, and I saw the trailer. Basically, it's a Viking version of Hamilton. So, then again, uh, we are running out of ideas to make movies and TV shows. It's basically the same stories that just get recycled over and over with a different type of variation with those stories. There's actually a theory behind this. It's like, Something about the 34 dramatic principles or something like that. I don't know. That basically every, we've already, we hit our limit, our creative limit of possible storylines. And every single movie in throughout the history of movies is based off of all of these dramatic principles. There we go. That's my uh, drama lesson for the day. And uh, speaking of the Northman challenge here, the, the uh, clash on the ice, it was a fun night on the ice because you had teams that needed wins for playoff races, and boy, did they get them. The Golden Knights go into Calgary and blow out the Flames 6-1 to one in a, I don't want to say must win. There's no such thing as a must win unless you are going to be eliminated with a loss. Then it is a must win. This was an important win because had they lost this game, I don't know if they'd be in the playoffs. But now with the win, 
they are creeping closer and closer, just one point back of the LA Kings, and they are two points back of Nashville for the second wild card. Another team that is in that playoff mix is Vancouver, and they were playing a bad team in Arizona, so what did they do? They won 7-1. to one. Just a dominant performance from Vancouver and Vegas both. Uh, the Oilers beat the Predators 4 nothing, and that was an important game for them to kind of, uh, they're not going to chase down Calgary. They're seven points back at Calgary. That's not going to happen. But when you're in the 2-3 matchup, you got to, uh, you want home ice. And so for them to create a little bit of separation between themselves and the Kings, who are currently third place, and it could be, uh, you know, the Knights or whoever, um, important for them to create some separation so that they could maintain home ice advantage. Same thing for the Wild and the Blues, who are both sitting here at 98 points, battling for home ice in the 2-3 matchup in the Central Division. The Blues got by the Sabres 6-2, to two, and it was um, the Wild in overtime beating the Stars 3-2. to two. That loss was big for the Stars because they are 89 points now with tied with Nashville as your two wildcard teams. And as I mentioned, Vegas with the win at 87 points is just two points back of both of them. The Red Wings did the Rangers a favor. They beat the Hurricanes 3-0, so the Hurricanes are still just two points up on the Rangers for first place in the Metropolitan Division. Why is this important? It's important because the Rangers and the Hurricanes still play each other one more time, and that game is in Madison Square Garden. So there is a chance that with the Ranger win in that game, assuming that they're still you know in that two-point range, they could uh, capture the division title and be that uh, one seed in the division playing against a wild card team. So here's what we're looking at um, on the schedule on Friday and any games as it relates to the standings. Oh, by the way, the Senators beating the Bruins. Tough loss for Boston, who now drops three points back of Tampa for third place in the Atlantic division. Boston is still a wild card with the Washington Capitals. Uh, but if you're a wild card, you're playing against possibly the Florida Panthers, who have the most points in the Eastern Conference, or you're playing against the top team from the Metropolitan. Pittsburgh with a big win, creating some separation between themselves and Washington. They have a five-point lead on the Caps for third place in that Metropolitan. So now let's take a look at Friday's schedule. Uh, just two games. And only one of them is, I guess, of some importance. Uh, Winnipeg, who is technically not eliminated. They have 81 points. Um, probably not going to make a push for a wild card here. They're playing against the Panthers. The Panthers are four points back of Colorado for the President's Trophy. That is the award that goes for a team with the finishes with the most points in the NHL. The Panthers have won eight straight games, nine of their last 10, and Florida a minus 270 favorite at home against the Panthers. The other game, the Islanders at the Canadiens. The Isles coming off of a loss here to the Penguins, 6-3. to three. Uh, Their playoff chances are done. 
you know they're not gonna not gonna catch up here um, as they are. Yeah, it's it, it's they're not gonna make the playoffs. But still a nice second half of the Islanders. They started off the season really, really poorly, and I think a lot of it had to do with uh, COVID concerns, starting out with so many road games because their home arena wasn't ready. It's just been a disappointing season for the Islanders who came in with a ton of really high expectations. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up in about, you know, Six or seven minutes or so. We're going to be joined by um, Robert Walker from U.S. Bookmaking. Um, he is the director of sportsbook operations for U.S. Bookmaking, formerly of the Westgate. Guy's been, um, you know, he's got 30 years experience, been doing this for a long time. Uh, I want to talk to him about the NFL draft especially because a lot of books – are, I know at least here in Vegas, and, and we'll talk to Chris Andrews next week of the South Point, they're not going to put up a lot of offerings on the NFL draft. And it's unfortunate because the public makes a lot of money on the NFL draft. And it's a great betting opportunity because... There's so much information that's out there. The problem from a book's perspective, and I'm sure Robert's going to explain this to us, is that they can't keep up with the information. And so there could be a leak on on Twitter, whatever, Reddit, I don't know, that we find out who a team is taking or if a, you know, something that's going to be settled or whatever. And the public hammers it, and it winds up coming and being a loss. You know, it's it's hard from the book's perspective. It really is. I'm curious what they're offering, what he knows of what uh, other books are offering, and if there's just this consensus in the industry that the NFL draft is a Terrible market for the bookmakers. It's a great market for the public. Terrible for the bookmakers. Because it seems also, as you're following the odds here, every day it changes. Every day we're seeing something different because more information might be leaked. Also, it's false information. That's out there. This is the game that teams play is trying to leak out some false information and force someone's hand. And I think the funniest thing when it comes to all these mock drafts is that all it takes is one trade. And the entire draft, everything that you thought is completely thrown away. And yes, some of these people in mocks, they think, oh, I'm predicting a trade's going to happen like me. I'm predicting the Giants are going to trade the number five overall pick. But if they don't, I don't know who they take. And if they do, what quarterback does that team take? A lot is still up in the air and to be decided. We'll talk with Robert Walker from U.S. Bookmaking coming up next. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. 
This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, is going to give his draft analysis. VSIN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first round pick, and Sean King, Super Bowl winning champ, will give you insight that you can bet on. Also, legendary sports broadcaster and the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft best bets. It's all in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today, get full access to VSIN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now is the uh, sports uh, director, the uh, sports book operations director for U.S. bookmaking. He is Robert Walker. And, and Robert, I want to start with the NFL draft because a lot of bookmakers have said that it's one of the worst events to put out offerings on. Why is the NFL draft such a hated event from a bookmaking uh, standpoint? Uh, Yeah, we just lose, right? This this actually is going to be the first year that I booked it. Uh Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Uh, We did not put it up. Uh, but we're going to put it up in uh, in New Jersey and DC this year, and uh, um, so we we've heard the horror stories, and it's always difficult, you know, when somebody, you know, when people know that they know who's going to be drafted, and it, it gets leaked and everything else. So uh, we're going to have a, we're going to have fun with it and just take low limits, and uh, you know, famous last words. I always said we take low limits in NFL season over unders, and then you know you end up giving somebody a. You know, you're taking thousands from everybody else, and then you get somebody fifty thousand on it, and it spins us around. So these are tough things to book, but I think we can make it fun. Is it just about the technology and staying up to date with the information? Like it, like you have to almost adjust on the fly with all the information that gets leaked by the second. Yeah, I, I just not good enough for this. I, I, it's hard enough to book a game, you know, and stay up on that and all the injuries and. NBA has been a nightmare for us with all the players sitting all the time and obviously coronavirus and, and whatnot. This draft is, is a completely different beast. It's something that, I mean, you look at like somebody like Mel Kuyper that follows it, uh, you know, 
twenty, you know, three hundred sixty-five days a year, twenty-four-seven, and 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 how he does on it. Uh, it. It's tough, and I think I think the people that have the information. I, I look at uh, you know the Tom Brady situation with Tampa Bay a little bit. You know, it's uh, um, we were kind of taken out, caught off guard. We shouldn't have been right, but we were. And I think the draft is just a. Uh, you know, that's magnified, you know, 10 times over. The key, though, is the limits. Just, as long as you're taking limits that are, that are not going to put you in, in harm's way, and I think, and I think that's the key. As long, if we can keep the limits to, and just make it, uh, you know, where it's a lot of fun, uh, then I think it'll be good for everybody. But, you know, you got people that are trying to make, obviously trying to beat the books, and, uh, you know, nobody cares if the books lose for sure. So, <laughs> you know, we'll just keep the limits low. And, yeah, nobody feels bad for the books. It's a weird uh, – industry you know we make a mistake and then we have to eat it and uh and that's that comes with the territory right so it's us, us against them mentality but you know i think we'll have fun with it and you know a lot of our places are having as as you know they're having uh nfl draft parties and sure. uh you know we want to be able to have some lines up so they can bet certain events and um so we'll, we'll see what happens i i think if, honestly you know this is how bad it is i think if we could break even uh it's a win-win well, yeah, absolutely. And at this point, it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with customer acquisition at this point. You know, get people excited. They come in on the draft, and you hope that they stay with you through the football season, and then you, you know, see what happens when it comes to that. You mentioned uh, the difficulty with COVID. As we've transitioned away from it, uh, for the most part, um, have you seen a sense of normalcy when it comes to bookmaking, when it comes to setting the lines? for a lot of these, you know, sports now that player availability is not as big of a concern or big of an, as big of an unknown, I should say, as it was? Uh, well, I think that this year has been one of the toughest years ever for the NBA for us. It's just now it's load management, right? It's just, um, you know, it's just every it's, – and it's the same players and the same games. And, it, and, it, and the, the problem that we have is, you know, we didn't used to have all these player props up. You know, you uh, – uh, in Nevada, we didn't really, if, if you're familiar with Nevada, we didn't really book too much. Mm-hmm. You know, we booked the game, the first half, and, you know, just maybe the last five years started booking the first quarter and stuff. So we did, very rarely do we book player props. I mean, really, we were just Super Bowl-centric when it came to props. But now, you know, you have a ton of player props. So you get somebody like LeBron James not playing. Uh, not only do you have to take him down, you have to take everybody down. You have to, And the problem is not if they're, it's like we always say, it's not if they're playing or not playing, it's when they're questionable. And that's the problem. So you, you know, you have sharp players that are, they're, they're not just betting the game anymore. They're bet, they're pounding these player props because they know they're going to, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages um, for, for every, you know, for rebounds, for assists. So I think that's, that's one of the ways the dynamic has changed. And uh, I don't think that that's, I know Adam Silver has talked about it. Um, you know, these, these, you know, really good marquee players not playing as much. I, I think the load management is here to stay. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, as you, as you get these elderly, and I don't want to say LeBron's elderly, but he's getting up there, and I, I, it's like a pitch count, right? I think you only want to play so much. And mm-hmm. and so I think it's here to stay. You know, I blame Popovich for it, but, you know, it, it's tough. It's, NBA is really tough. We're, we were really glad when the playoffs started because now there's no load management issues, right? It's just, you're going to put your best players out there for, you know, as long as the series lasts. And I, I think it's going to be a lot easier. And obviously we feel more comfortable with the player props and everything else, but it's, it's been really difficult. I mean, the NBA, I, I think by far 
is the most difficult sport to, to book right now uh, because of that. I would agree with you, and I think it is here to stay, and the only way it's going to change is if they shorten the regular season um, or make less teams in the playoffs. But they just added more teams in the playoffs with the play-in tournament, so uh, it's absolutely going to be here to stay. Speaking of the playoffs, Luka's injury concerns for the Dallas Mavericks has really shifted the market greatly. We saw the Mavericks open up as a favorite in the series. Now, Utah is an overwhelming favorite in the series. Game one opened up at Dallas minus three. Now, Utah's minus five. It's an eight-point adjustment. I personally think it's way too much of an overreaction, but talk to me about the difficulty in adjusting. Are you adjusting because of, not just because of the player availability there with Luka, and what he means to this team, but also based on the money that you're taking in on the other side? Yeah, so so here here's our dilemma is, you know, uh, pro, pro players with, uh, notwithstanding, who, the casual player doesn't want to bet the Mavs without Luka. You know, they're just, they, they're just, they just want no part of it. And uh, we see that all the time. We see that, you know, you see that with the Dak Prescott and with the Cowboys. And it really depends on, on where you're at. We're, we are a really centric uh, Dallas team, right? Because we have uh, several books in New Mexico. And uh, Dallas is their home team. And, uh, and believe me, they, they will bet against them with both hands, just like they'll bet on them with both hands. Hmm. And I think that's the problem here. So I do think you're right. Eight points and, and, and you know, uh, Utah's up to three to one favorites. Uh, at some point, there's value, and I would expect. Uh, I can't believe this number could go any higher under any circumstance. I, I think, you know, I, I think it's like a rubber band. You'll see it come down to four and a half, four. When the the pro is just going to sit there and wait and see how high it goes, right? I mean, if you could get five and a half, six, but that's that's a lot of points. And I don't know the Jazz are a wonder team by any stretch, but uh, Luca's a big loss, and he, it's just not his scoring. It's just the way he impacts the game, you know, everywhere, and. Uh, um, I don't think I don't I I don't know if they, I they still might be able to win this series, but I definitely think uh, you know the, they I don't see how they get very far uh, mm-hmm. without him. And, and you know reports we hear are all over the place. You know that the other day I heard he he might try to play, and I'm like, how is that even possible? <laughs> and then then you hear like six weeks, and it's it, NBA's tough. I mean, it's just it's just been tough, and you get a player like him, and I hate to see it. I, I'm sure you feel the same way. I mean, we want to see the you of know course. you really kind of grind through the NBA season to get to this moment in time because the NBA playoffs are spectacular. They really are. The regular season though, is just, you know, it's abysmal yeah. uh, for the most part as a bookmaker, it's just an absolute grind. I'm with you. I think the, I, I want to cut every season down except for NFL, like every bookmaker. You know, I want to cut it down to, you know, I think baseball is a hundred games. I want to cut baseball to seven innings. I'm really bad. So because then, then you'd have better pitchers. You wouldn't have player position. Uh, you know, already going in and pitching. So I, I, I agree with that. They'll never do anything like that because of the record books and all that stuff and obviously the money. But uh, I do think that's, uh, that's definitely uh, something that we're, uh, that is going to be interesting this entire series. And I'm, I'm hoping he comes back. I mean, I would love mm-hmm. to see it if he's healthy. I, th- I think, yeah, if I, were, if I was Jason Kidd, I'd sit him for the first two games and just hope we get a split, bring him back when they go on the road, just hope to get a split there, turn it into a three-game series, and you got two of the three games in Dallas. Robert, I really appreciate the time and the conversation. Great insight, and I hope to catch up again soon. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There he is. Robert Walker is the uh, Director of Sportsbook Operations. 
for U.S. bookmaking. Uh, he used to work here uh, in Vegas, many different shops over the past 30-somewhat years. Got has a ton of experience in the industry. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It's the look ahead here on Visa. If you, if you, if you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 